0: if people are just kind of talking about the problems your customer faces, but they're not really going in depth into how to actually solve them because they can't, because they're not putting any actual expertise in their content. Well, how can you do that? Um, How can you, how how can you drill into those problems deeper than anybody else to the point where someone's going to find your content and they're going to be like, well, like, nobody is talking about this the way that this company is talking about this. No one's solving this problem the way that this company is solving this problem.
1: We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis.
2: Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part. You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sas SEO. I'm your host, George Kassiodis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Ben Seiler. Second time at the podcast, uh, but I will give the introduction once once again uh, because some things have, have changed since the last time. Ben is a skilled writer and marketeer with deep expertise in content strategy, search engine optimization, marketing analytics, project management, and more. He's currently an inbound marketing director at Automatic, working to grow um, WordPress.com as the top managed hosting solution for WordPress uh, sites. Uh, When he's not at work, he can be found working on freelance writing projects, playing bass guitar and cross country skiing with his wife Rachel and their dog Audrey. Ben, welcome uh, to the Salsa CSO.
0: Hey, thanks sir. Thanks for having me. I'm re- really really glad to be back on the
2: show. So uh second time here, uh what has changed for you since the the last time we we brought you in?
0: Uh so since last time I was on the show, um quite a bit <laughs> uh, ha- has changed. Um yeah, switching companies. Um last time I was on the show, I was uh at Co-Schedule, um where I had been for six years. Um and so I've been at Automatic since January, um, and it's just been a whirlwind uh, since then. Um, just a lot of uh, learning, a lot in my new role. And as, as I was saying before we uh, before we started the interview, I I'm about ten months in, and I'm just now kind of starting to feel like I really understand what I'm doing. <laughs> um, just going from like a, a small startup. Um, You know where i think our head count is about 60 people total over at co-schedule like we have more than 60 marketers total at automatic um so just the uh you know the just just getting used to kind of operating at a at a completely different scale has um it's been a really it's been a really good challenge but it's been um and it's been a lot of fun i'm really fortunate to get to work with a lot of world-class talent um on a product that I really believe in uh, and you know it, it it took a lot to to pry me away <laughs> from co schedule um you know which is you know I, I I really really valued my time there and really loved the team and the the product and it was um it, 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 it was not an easy decision but um you know you know fortunately uh I you know I took a risk and I, I feel like it's it's paid off. So,
2: um, yeah, a lot, a lot of change, a lot of change. That's great. Change is always good. Now, yeah. uh, let's let's get right into it. Uh, I have many things that I would like to like. I want to learn really uh, myself. So, my first question would be: How is today's WordPress dot com different from mm-hmm. the one most of us may remember from years ago? And I guess as I was doing research for this episode, mm-hmm. the question that's connected to that is, how is managed WordPress hosting? Uh, what is uh, you know uh, managed uh, WordPress hosting and how does it contribute to that change of what WordPress used to be and what WordPress is today?
0: Sure, so I'll do the best I can to answer this question as accurately as i can in a way that should hopefully be easy for people to understand cuz um you know sometimes when we uh get into the conversation around uh, like the differences between wordpress.com versus .org and um you know shared versus managed hosting and these kinds of things it um it starts to get like a little bit complex and I kind of start to feel like maybe I need like a flow chart to kind of like explain things. Um, but, but I'll do the best I can. Um, so the, the, I, I think, um, and you know, and this was true for myself, you know, w- even as I, as I was, um, applying for my role here, I think that a, a lot of people are familiar with wordpress.com as being like a, um, but like a free or, or low cost, like blogging platform, um, or maybe also like, a like a small business website builder. But, um, you know, bet back in the day, um, you know, this was certainly the case, like, oh man, like 10, 11 years ago when I built my first website on wordpress.com. Um, it was a, a bit more limited than um, than like a WordPress.org or what um, people might might call um, self-hosted WordPress. You know, is the term that people usually use. Um, you know, like you you had a lot more limitations with with themes and what you could edit and your ability to use plugins and things like that. It was just a much different product um and so the wordpress.com of today however is uh it's it's a full managed hosting um um uh, product um and so what that is is um you know I'm going to try the I'm going to do my best to give you like a a plain language (laughs) explanation of what that means. But, um, essentially we help you get your WordPress website on the web, you know, (laughs) online. Um, but we manage, um, like all your updates. Um, we keep your site secure. We, um, provide really top-notch customer support. Um, We, uh, it's, and and it differs from, um, you know, I think with like shared hosting, um, it's like, there's like a server and then you kind of like share that space with lots of other websites, um, with like a managed host, like you get your own kind of slice of the pie, so to speak, or like your own, like home on the web. Um, and so, and, you know, with, um, being a you know, like a, a proper, um, managed, you know, WordPress hosting service. Like you can, uh, use any theme you want. You can use nearly any plugin. Uh, there's a list of about two dozen plugins. I think that, um, are incompatible with WordPress.com. But the reason for that is because, uh, they overlap or just like duplicate functionality that we have um built in and so they just there's some incompatibility but you know with over um fifty thousand plus plugins out there in the wordpress ecosystem like the 20 or so that don't work you know like that's pretty it's, it's a pretty marginal number um but yeah um hopefully that answers <laughs> the question um in, in a way that that's easy enough to understand but um, you know, if anybody listening to this episode, like if they happen to have um, uh, you know more more questions about you know what what we have to offer and how WordPress.com is is different today than um, you know than what it used to be, um, I would definitely encourage people to uh, you know find find me and, and and reach out. I'd be I'd be glad to talk.
2: The thing is that this was you know what you described in the beginning of your answer is kind of the perception I had as well. I mean, I, I thought, I, I still think about WordPress as, you know, the, the picture that you tried to, to paint. So mm-hmm. my question is for someone like, like me or anyone who has the same perception about about WordPress, how do you like communicate that change, which is a very big change as mm-hmm. I understand it through your content?
0: yeah it's a really really good question it's also a really big question um and there's been a lot of work um that that's been done over the past several years to you know start to kind of shift that perception and i think we're seeing the market kind of start to catch up um we do still you know see things on on reddit and social media and things like that where um, you know, really through no fault of their own, you know, people will will maybe make comments that that misrepresent um you, you know the the value that WordPress.com provides and the functionality that we we provide with our service. Um you know, so you know, some things that that we can do content-wise. Um you know, there's been a lot of change and a lot of um evolution just in like messaging and positioning um you know obviously like um pretty table stakes stuff like that like um across our our website and our domain and um you see it and you can hear it in um you know the way that leadership you know talks about wordpress.com um you see it in um you know like across social media and um you know it's it's a big effort it's you know it's hard to say that there's like just like one like simple kind of strategy you know it's kind of it's part of everything you know trying to to communicate what what wordpress.com is you know now and trying to combat um you know some of that uh um you know some of the, some of those outdated um, perceptions. you know something that you know i'm that that I've learned going from a startup to um you know a more enterprise type environment is as as one person, I'm a little bit further away, you know from some of the um, how some of the those decisions get made and things like that, like a little bit. Um, and also, I'm still somewhat new to the role, but um I can tell you like from my um, just from like my perception, it's, you know, if I could answer that question as simply as possible, I would just say, it's just, it's baked into everything that, that we do and that we communicate wherever we're communicating with people. Um, you know, or, you know, CEO and, you know, WordPress, you know, co-founder Matt Mullenweg himself will go on Reddit and like, will directly answer people himself. You know, it's, um, I think the, um, the importance of making sure that we are representing ourselves correctly and that we are accurately conveying, uh, the value that we provide, um, -hmm. wherever people are talking about us. I think that that's really, that that's really stressed, you know, to, to everyone. Um, you know, and I think, um, we, we have started to see, and like I've started to see, um, you know like like blogs and like news sources that cover the wordpress space are starting to talk about wordpress.com a bit differently and um the the story is starting to change um i think like what it takes is just a lot of like it takes a lot of effort on behalf of a lot of people like delivering one message consistently for a really long time and um it's not easy you know it's a, it's a pretty immense challenge when you have a, a product with um with global reach like what wordpress.com does and with something that is almost ubiquitous with the internet itself, you know, that's, um, that's, that's been around for nearly two decades. It's, um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting challenge. And, um, I, I don't know, it's a really fun thing, though, to get to be a part of it, it feels, um, it, I, I feel very privileged to get to be a part of it
2: definitely yeah and i mean i i understand like some things take time i mean transfer wise just change their their name to wise and still (laughs) i don't know how much how much you know uh time it it has been since they applied that change but still they like if you go on the on their website they still um mention it like uh, Formerly known as Transferwise and so on, and they have a a blog that's a blog post that's featured on their websites, on their blog, and and so it takes a while to communicate that change, that that mm-hmm. that kind of you know change, and obviously this is just a a a, na- a name change, a, a change on the brand name. Imagine if yeah. you change the, the whole the whole business model or the way the the service is provided. So uh, that that makes sense, but if we take a step back and like think about the the content strategy that you have for for wordpress.com what would you say are the main elements or you know what 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 are the main goals that you're trying to achieve through this strategy
0: yeah so it's a really good question um and and again I'll, I'll I'll do the best that I can to answer um we're kind of like going through like a period right now where a lot of things like content strategy wise are are a little bit in flux and like a lot of things are are kind of changing to you know really try to um solidify what our content strategy um should be um you know i i will say that um the the way that our process for developing our content strategy the, w- the way that i've seen it um working is it starts with customer research um and i think this is something i've been hearing about um on linkedin a lot more over the last year or two than i feel like i heard content marketers and seo's really talking about it um prior to that but um everything starts with like really top-notch customer research and really making sure that we understand exactly who the customers are that we want to target um, for wordpress.com and really understanding like, what are their actual pain points? You know, what's, you know, how how do they describe their problems? You know, what are, what are the things that we can, you know, do to, uh, to alleviate, you know, those problems and everything kind of stems it, 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 everything kind of like builds off of that. Um so with our our um blog, like our, our more tutorial driven blog, we have two blogs. Um one that's wordpress.com slash blog that's for uh product updates and communicating um you know, like like just product related news and announcements for WordPress.com. And then we have another that's more tutorial driven. Um, at wordpress.com slash go, um, and so our content strategy there has been to, um, make sure that we are creating content that aligns with, um, what we have learned, uh, to be, um, our, our customers top problems or potential customers top problems. Like what are the things that they have, um, that that they have like the most like pressing need to have you know someone or a product come and help uh, solve for them and so uh it, it's been it, it's still pretty early going um at this point um just because a lot of things have uh changed with regard to um uh like team structure across like our marketing division uh so a lot of things are kind of in the early phases of of being um of being built out but um yeah but and then you know that, that that touches like everything it touches like what we're doing on youtube you know it's i imagine that's you know that informs you know pr and it informs you know the way you know customer support and like our happiness engineers, like the way that they talk about, you know, features and um, our our product offerings and things with, um, with with customers when they, when they reach out to us. So I I would say, um, I don't know how good of an answer (laughs) this is, but it it sounds almost cliched because I think that as marketers, when you say, you know, like just, just focus on your customer and focus like obsess over customer problems, it kind of feels like, um, it just kind of feels like that's just doing your job, you know like that's not that that's not this groundbreaking you know kind of um you know you know kind of thing that's like new by any means but um and you know and i and, and I feel like when I was at co schedule like they and 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 we you know when I was there like um really put a, a lot of work into really understanding who the customers were and like really getting a very having a a very clear idea of really who like the ideal customer was um and so here at automatic i'm kind of seeing you know that that process of you know customer research and how that um then informs like content and messaging kind of downstream um i'm really getting to see how all of those pieces kind of fit together, you know, really at the ground level, just uh, in in a way that that, that's been really interesting. And so I I will say that, um, the, uh, the, the value of customer research is really starting to kind of click with me in a way that's a a little bit different, uh, a bit, um, I don't know what the best word is uh, for, but it's, it's starting to like, I feel like I've kind of had like the light bulb moment. Or like what what that really means, um, and so it, it's been great though because we have um, you know we have folks on our on our team that really excel in that area, and since they're talking directly to customers, they're able to come to our team and say these are all the things that people are telling us that we should you know maybe consider you know creating content around. Um, and then from there, we're able to kind of take, you know, what they've learned and go back to them and say, yeah, these are, you know, topics that we think would be good for us to take on. Um, and so from there, we've been using that to kind of inform like a fairly typical, like topic cluster, you know, type driven, um, you know, like SEO content strategy. And that's, um, a big part of what I personally have been focused on, um, and so yeah i don't know i feel like it's a really rambling answer it's really difficult to you know summarize like what is your content strategy you know within um a large organization you know especially when you're kind of new like i'm new to the company myself and also a lot of these um you know strategic you know pieces that we're working on are also kind of new <laughs> uh to, to to all of us so um but ho- hopefully um you're you're able to extract something
2: out of that that that's interesting or valuable yeah of course um thank you very much now like two one one of the last things that you that you mentioned in in your answer about getting visibility for like uh more let's say um search focused um through search focused content or uh, mm-hmm. for terms that like, um, people are searching for, uh, in, in Google. Now, one thing that's interesting about WordPress and other equally popular brands is that branded terms, usually over uh, non-branded mm-hmm. ones. And my question would be, even though you kind of touched on that, like, this is something that you already do something about, like, how do you plan to beat that, uh, with non-branded terms, obviously, um, and mm-hmm. like, what what really troubles me is that how do you go about getting visibility for non-branded terms for something like as broad let's say as i don't know building a website i mean mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a, a, a like it's a need that almost every business that has a website have so the use case is so broad i guess unless i'm missing something especially with the changes from wordpress.org to wordpress.com so Mm -hmm. i I would like to hear your thoughts on that
0: yeah i think that's a great question and you're absolutely right it's it it is really it's, it's a big challenge you know when when you think about just the sheer vast number of different types of people and businesses and creators that have a need for a website um or a blog or a newsletter or a, a podcast that they might host on a website um that does present a, a lot of challenges and it is very it's more challenging than what i had assumed um you know for for enterprises and for for large brands to effectively compete um for um non-branded search terms and you know i think that <laughs> part of this is just my opinion i think part of the reason why um that that's the case where um you know large brands obviously dominate branded search in terms of searches for things that directly pertain to their product and uh maybe struggle um in non-branded search, I think it's just because in larger organizations, you have so many more stakeholders and just layers of decision making that things have to go through um, just to get things shipped. And in SEO, the ability to ship quickly is a massive, massive advantage uh, that smaller companies and startups are much more easily able to leverage because there's just less time from idea to execution uh with a startup or in in a startup environment i I would say that's certainly been my experience in the past um you know before co-schedule i worked at an agency that worked with clients um small and large and going from like working with like really really large companies where just nothing really moves that quickly um to a startup where things move super fast it was um i it's 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 easier to punch above your weight in some ways in a startup than it is um to compete the way that you feel that you should be able to in an enterprise, which is um something that that has um that, that's a challenge that, that i i I didn't expect, but I think it's a really interesting one to to try to tackle um so the way that you know we've been approaching that, I think like again it all starts with it starts with your customer um, what um you know what 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 are their what are their actual problems that they're um that, that they need help with the most and then from an seo perspective you know what are the um know topics or subtopics or things that you can kind of spin off you know from you know just like kind of taking the words that you know they use to describe their problems um you might take like one little nugget of information and be like, okay, that's like five articles. And then, and then at that point you start getting into your SEO tools and figuring out the keywords and those types of things that you need to do to make sure that that content is easily found. Um, but you, you don't really start getting into that until you have like, you know, good customer research first It's um. You know, I think something that's interesting about that is like, if you're, if you just dive into whatever SEO tool it is that, that is your preference, um, you might be able to get pretty close to what your most valuable keywords or topics might be just, um, just through your own knowledge of your product and just like high level knowledge of, um, or understanding of your your target customer base but when you're able to like kind of go like one level down from that um it becomes much easier to um understand what it would take to create a piece of content that's like really differentiated and that's going to stand out from um a lot of other um you know content that might already exist on a given topic because you have um you have two things like one you're being told directly by actual people what the things are that um, that they need help with. And very often those things correlate very closely with keywords that you might not have thought to go scope out in your keyword research tool or, or whatever. And two um, you can think about, um, you know, like, like what are things that your tool can do or that your software or product can do to solve those problems in a way that's maybe in some way unique. And I think that if you approach content that way, rather than, you know, sometimes, you know, companies do where they start with the SEO tools first and then just kind of think about like, just like looking at like what other people have already done and, you kind of start going down that like old school kind of skyscraper, you know, kind of methodology, um, you know, you you find that that quickly becomes a race to the bottom. And I think that even like large brands, sometimes I, I, I see kind of succumb to that, you know, like, like it's really, really surprising to me. And this has been surprising to me for years. And I'm not gonna like name names or call anyone out or anything like that, but you know, in a lot of cases, like the content that you come across from like the big brands doesn't really seem to have the same perspective or passion or firsthand, you know, like expertise or any of that that you find in a lot of cases with with startups. And I think that a big part of that, I think, is like when you're in a larger organization the actual marketers like doing the actual work they're further away from the customer you're further away from decision making you have just layers of 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 hierarchy um that every decision's got to go through you know before it maybe even gets to like you know the person who's actually like executing uh the work and so i think for us you know something that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're, we're really able to capitalize on is that we don't have as much friction as most large organizations do just, um, by virtue of, of, of the culture and, you know, the, the philosophies that we kind of apply to how we approach our work at automatic. It's a very atypical company, in a lot of ways and so that's really a benefit uh, to us because it's easier for us to kind of function like a startup that has like enterprise level resources um than it is for like a typical enterprise just because um you know our our structure is fairly flat you know we you know we we prioritize shipping and testing and iterating and you know I, i think as much as you know enterprises might kind of pay lip service to those things. It's just functionally very, very difficult. It's not their fault. It's just really hard. It's like when you're, when you're big to, uh, um, you know, to, um, you know, move with the the agility and to not kind of succumb to there just being too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, like that just tends to result in content that's just, that just doesn't really meet the requirements of what it takes uh, to, to rank well. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that, that that's what I would say. And I think another thing too, um, if you're a large brand, you obviously have a lot of customers already. And so the actual, um, the, the business value of going after, you know, non-branded search, I think in, in some cases it might just be like, it might be less of like an existential imperative for you to do that. Whereas like in a startup, you know, when, when no one knows who you are, you have like no brand equity to lean on at all. Um, showing up for non-branded searches with like the best content out there. Like that's your bread and butter. You know, that's how you grow. Um, whereas, you know, for like a lot of um, larger companies, it's. it's um, there, there's still a lot of value in targeting non-branded search because that's a that, that's a, a means of providing value to the right customers, and it represents an incredible opportunity for growth. Um, But I think um, that's probably the last thought that I would add to this extremely long answer. Um, I think that when you have other ways of reaching people and people already kind of know who you are, and um, I I think that maybe, and this is just completely Theorizing um, I, this is not based on any kind of uh, research or actual insight. I think it's just it's just less essential for them so to go after those terms in the same way that it is for startups, at least in technology and SaaS and um, you know the, those types of um types of uh, verticals.
2: I suppose. No, no, I agree. Uh, I agree with your last point. It, it, it is not like, it's not a matter of, you know, we are going, we are not going to be here next month. So, <laughs> right, you know, right. it, it's less, it's less important. Any other challenges uh, that you faced or currently you're currently facing from <clears throat> running inbound marketing for such a, a big website with all these different sections?
0: Yeah, you know. um yeah, I mean there there's tons of challenges um you know some, some other you know like some of those, w- one of the biggest challenges um and also like one of the biggest like growth opportunities you know that I feel like I've been experiencing just for myself as a as a professional and as a as a content marketer um, one of the uh, most important things that you can learn how to do in an enterprise environment is advocate for yourself effectively and for your ideas. Um, in, in a larger organization, you really lean on other people much more um, to to get your ideas shipped, um, whereas in a startup... Uh, if it's, if if you're maybe responsible for owning like a given portion of like your marketing practice or you're tasked with growing a very specific thing, a lot of times, at least it was in my experience, there's like not a lot of roadblocks or there, there's just not a lot of friction between you having an idea and you testing or shipping that idea. Um, in a larger organization where you have like more resources, like you think like, Oh, awesome. Like I should be able to do way more things. Cause I have all this money and I have all these other people and like all these things that I wish I had before, you know, that should mean that I should be able to move just as quickly and just, I'm going to have like these brilliant ideas and people are just going to rally behind like my, my genius and stuff is going to, it's just going to magically happen. And that's not the case. Um, you have to be very, you have to, to learn how to communicate effectively with like, well, I mean, like you have to know how to find the right people in your organization who can help you move your ideas forward, um, and make sure that, um, you're able to kind of balance your initiatives against, they're like things that they're trying to get done also. Um, and so that, that's, um, that's, that's been like a big, big, big change, um, to, to have to, um, adjust to, but at the same time, like, it's also been very, it's been very gratifying, you know, to, um, you know, kind of navigate those challenges and, you know, when, when you really, when, when you do, um, you know, um, you know, you know, like start to, you know, score some wins, you feel very, um, it it feels very much like a team effort rather than a, a solo effort. And I think like it's in startups, like, um, it's not to say that, uh, that startup life is all about individual glory because it's it's not at all um but when when you as an individual are more easily able to more directly impact things just by yourself um you don't always have to build you know consensus or really make the case for your ideas um as much as you do in a larger organization but an larger organization just given that it, it often takes more people all pushing in the same direction to really like get things done um i, I think you really share more in that that victory you know uh, t- together but um i i would say honestly like, like that's the biggest challenge it's um you know it's the the biggest challenge is not you know going from like a small organization to a larger organization it's not It's not so much about actually getting better at the execution of your craft but um being more intentional about how you frame and communicate your ideas and how you um figure out how to get stuff done (laughs) you know i think um i think that's for for enterprise marketers i think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that they have and one of their biggest sources of frustration I think at automatic, like something that's like really fortunate is, um, you know, just given that the hierarchy is a bit more flat than it is in some places and there's not quite as many, uh, layers of, of bureaucracy and things that things have to run through. Um, it's, it's a bit easier than I think that it, than what it might be for, for some marketers and organizations of a similar size, but um I, I'd say that's the biggest thing um, you know,
2: and, and that's something yeah. by the way uh, I mean I've discussed with several people who run like either departments or they are a part of a department Mo- like most likely they they run a department uh, in enterprise companies and they this is actually one of the things that uh, it's it's a common pattern uh one of the things that they all like to to discuss and uh, talk about. But also, it's something that we experience ourselves as we, you know, we 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 started working with, you know, bigger and bigger companies, like mm-hmm. because it's a completely different game working with a like 50 people uh, company uh, where chances are there there will not be even a, a legal team, uh, definitely not a procurement team, and so on, and a completely different thing like talking to these big companies, uh, even public SaaS companies nowadays, where everything has to be you know, signed off and be approved and so on and so forth. Now, unavoidably, this leads to delays in sipping yeah. and some things you know, take more time. But at the same time, the good thing is that these companies, in most cases, have the luxury of time. It's not like it's a like we have to launch this initiative next month, otherwise we will have a problem. Mm-hmm. No, like the company will exist and will will continue doing well. Uh, so they have the luxury of time, and they they. I mean, but of course, no one likes having an idea and see this this idea going live. I don't know in in nine months from the the initiation of the idea or the inception right. or whatever. So. Uh, I, I think the best thing is to have a balance, I guess. Now, mm-hmm. my my last question would be: <clears throat> um, Do you see content fatigue as an issue for WordPress, or do you think that mm-hmm. there is still a lot of potential uh, for new websites and more content? Maybe not in the you know traditional like sense of the word, like how we perceive websites. Uh, mm-hmm. but more in the future, like experiences online. I don't know with all these web three, uh, uh <laughs> things that st- have started popping up lately, yeah. um, but I guess my question is, do you think, do you feel that, do you see that there's still room for more websites and better websites mm-hmm. and more content, better content?
0: Yeah. You know, I would say my short answer to all of that would be yes. Um, my longer answer is, but, but I, I personally don't feel qualified to speak to, um, how the internet's going to change in the next, um, year or two or uh, I, um, I, I personally don't feel super comfortable like opining on, you know, what the, the direction of the, uh, what direction the open web is going to take. Um, Just because of, it just feels like things are just so unpredictable right now. Like I have my own opinions, but those opinions could change five minutes from now. Like, but I think in terms of like content fatigue. um, Yeah. I mean, I think that like personally, I think that that's a, that that's a very real thing because i feel it myself it just feels like to me like so many things are just really as cliched as what it sounds and as tired as i have gotten of the term a lot of stuff is really like ripe for disruption right now um you know a lot of things i'm like and this is just my own opinion speaking for myself and my own experience as just a person on the internet. Um, a lot of things it's like social media are starting to feel kind of stagnant. Um, it's, but at the same time, like it doesn't feel like there's any less potential for, um, you know, you know, for, for content to deliver new and better and different types of experiences. I think, um, you know, something that I think has really changed, you know, like in the content world, you know, over the past several years is I think that like when, when people used to like talk about content, um, you used to more easily be able to assume that they were talking about like website content or like blog content. And, um, now like if you were to engage in a conversation with a stranger about content, um, like say like you're a content marketer and you're just talking to like a friend of yours about content, like in air quotes, content, like with someone who, does not have anything to do with marketing or content marketing or anything like that. Like content to them might mean like what's on Netflix. You know, it might mean um it might mean TikTok. It might mean like a Substack like type newsletter or something like that that they subscribe to. Like all of these things are content. And I think that like a lot of like content marketers have always kind of known That and like, I think I've had like a more holistic understanding of what content is, but I think, I think especially this could just be like a bias that is maybe inherent to those of us who are, um, maybe a bit more specialized in SEO, um, you know, I think if anything, just, just so much stuff has just got to be better, <laughs> you know. Like, I'm really worried about. Um, so, to so, so kind of like go back to like the the content fatigue, like the the fatigue portion, or that that word, like in your question. Um, maybe to kind of narrow the scope of the conversation down to how it pertains to you know the the SEO side of the content marketing world. Um, yeah, I think people are super burned out on the stuff that Google provides to them. And like Google has like gone through periods in the past where, um, you know, whether it's because of spam or just product updates to Google search where, um, you know, people have complained about just like their results, just like getting worse. And like, I think that Google's done a pretty good job of responding uh, to those complaints over the years and um, whether that's meant cracking down on spam or making decisions that help get answers to people more quickly. Um, But I mean, like right now, I mean, I think like in the B2B like content marketing space, you kind of see like B2B marketers talking about this in terms of what it means for this, like B2B SaaS content. Um, but, but like a lot of the complaints that like people make about like, um, like B2B content that is typically surfaced through Google search, just being like very unoriginal you know, very dry, very copycat, like in nature, that's true across so many different, um, niches. Like when I think about just like my own like personal interests and hobbies and things like that, that I go online and, um, might be seeking out content for, um, like whether that's like guitars or things like that, that I'm, I'm um, interested in. I, I see a lot of the, the, the same, it's Just a lot of the same kind of problems, you know, like content that's written with no actual expertise with the, the goal of, of ranking. And it, it's just weird that in 2022, we're still talking about, you know, blogs and, and websites, just, producing content that's clearly just meant to rank and doesn't really provide value. And unfortunately, there's a lot of things that work for SEO that don't really work to provide a good user experience. And so, um, you know, what I've seen, like, and I'll just say, like, I I think that like um, music gear is a good example of this. I found that rather than going to Google or if I use Google at all, it's just to get to Reddit or it's just to navigate from Google to YouTube to go like watch like videos just cause I'm lazy and it's forced a habit to go to Google, but I'm not actually getting as much go- like value out of Google itself. And part of it is just because the nature of, of SEO and the way that things tend to get gamed. Um, and part of it is because, um, just finding like for certain like queries i think that people are discovering that you get better answers from other people than you do from brands or from publications um and so that's why people go to to reddit to to quora to um like maybe they, they find like youtube creators that they really like and just subscribe to their channel so, yeah, I mean, I think content fatigue is a very real thing. I have a lot of concerns about how all these AI products are just going to kind of accelerate a race to the bottom. I don't think that they have to do that. I think they have lots of valid applications, but I am really worried that the way that people are actually going to use them is just to make more skyscraper stuff more quickly, and it's just going to flood search results with... um more of the kind of content that i think is just kind of wearing people out and like google is actually um you know i saw something recently and maybe you saw it too i think it was over the summer there was an article that i think it got shared on like hacker news or something like that and it like drove so much traffic it like crashed the guy's website <laughs> um but he posted something about how um about how like reddit was effectively just kind of um i don't know the best way to put it but it it was kind of like starting to replace google you know for a lot of people for like a lot of types of searches and i think um saw something more recently about um Google doing something to better source um questions that are like being or like content that was um just being like created by individuals answering questions rather than like brands or like publishers answering questions and I thought that that was really interesting, and I think that that really um that that kind of like shift. Um, I mean, I think it really speaks just like content fatigue being a very real thing. It's just, we're, we've, we've been, I personally have just felt like I am just tapped out on reading any more typical SEO'd up (laughs) type content. And it's disappointing because I think that like a lot of like SEOs, content marketers, like they're very smart, very creative people. Um and, and what, like like it's an industry we can do a lot better um, but I, I think um, if I could leave like listeners with like any kind of practical a- advice I would think um, I, I would say the, the changes that you can there, there are changes that you can make to your content to try to beat content fatigue that don't have to mean like dramatically like re-envisioning everything about how you approach your work Um, Well, like SEO isn't dead. People haven't stopped using Google to go get help (laughs) with with problems or to find answers for things. Um, It's just that um, the kind of like old school methods of just regurgitating the same things slightly better. I think they're maybe finally starting to reach a point where that stuff is really starting to not work anymore. Um and I think that's gonna force people to um enforce marketers to to get more more creative to get more customer centric to get more um, you know start start to think about what they can do that's additive to the conversation around a topic rather than just repeating what's already been said so i guess if anyone's listening to this and you know any of this is resonating i think there's a few things like if you wanted to try to like change up your approach like if you're like maybe starting to feel a little bit guilty because you're like oh yeah the content that i'm working on is this kind of like copycat skyscraper stuff and i've produced a lot of that kind of stuff myself so i'm not I'm not blameless in contributing to this problem, um, over the course of, of my career. So I'm, I'm not calling anyone out. Um, you know, I, I understand the, the, the pressures that everyone is under that kind of like leads to, you know, people leaning on that approach. But if you, if you want to try to, to break yourself or like wean yourself off those tendencies, um, I think the first thing that I would recommend doing is, um, you know, kind of take your focus off of content and SEO for a little bit and just think about your customers and think about their problems and think about them very deeply, you know, like figure out what you can do to talk to customers yourself, talk to people in your organization or your company that interact with customers very directly. Um, you know, not all companies are going to have people who are actually like devoted to customer research, but you probably have like sales you have know, support people, you know, that talk to customers, like just ask to like, if you can just like ask, like maybe even if it's just once a week, sit in on a sales call, read some support tickets, you know, do. And, and make that make that an ongoing habit, make make that an ongoing part of, of just what you do, you know, as, as an SEO or as a content marketer. I think from there, um, kind of like start like when it comes to like actually like mapping out like a content strategy or planning your content calendar, you know, maybe just start focusing more on the things that you hear those people telling you directly, rather than just going after the keywords that might represent the the greatest opportunity to drive the most possible traffic. Um, And just kind of like use that customer research, maybe just to narrow your scope a little bit Um, and then start drilling into ideas and things, um, you know, that um, that, that, you know, that people are are searching for in Google and you know what What will happen or what might happen and something that might surprise you because it surprised me is that you start to find that a lot of those things have a lot of search volume because they're very pressing problems for people. Um, and if you hear that directly from your customers, you'll probably see it reflected in your SEO tools, too. So it's not like saying like, well, just ditch SEO, like don't do keyword research, it's just do some basic due diligence you know before before you start um jumping straight into to keyword research and things of that nature and from there i mean like you can simply like ask yourself like within like those topics like what are what what are people not saying about this topic what are the unmet needs what are some what what are some things that our product or service does to address those problems that maybe no one else does? What are the things that we're uniquely like your company, or maybe you yourself are uniquely qualified to speak to. Um, and if you don't feel like you're an expert um like you might not be an expert practitioner in whatever area, the way that your customers are, but that's okay. Like, because even if you're not an expert on whatever it, it is um that you're um or you, maybe you're not an expert on like the um the, uh, the the industry or or whatever it is that your company serves, people there are people in your organization who are. And so, again, like, go talk to those people. Like, kind of, like, I see John Bonini from Databox talked about this a lot. Like, he likes to say that, like, the best content marketers are reporters, which is an idea that I really like. Um, you know, go, like, if you're not the expert, like, go talk to people who are the expert and then, like, just, like, share what you learn from them. That actually takes a lot of weight off of your shoulders to need to be the expert yourself. If you can just lean on the expertise, um, of people that you work with and you can bake that into your content. Um, and if you have like expertise that is unique, you know, to the, um, to, uh, um, no, like like if you're kind of like sourcing, you know, like your 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 advice and your your data and things that you work into your content from, you know, people who really are experts, then you don't have to lean on just trying to rewrite stuff that that other people have already have have already written cuz a lot of times that stuff is wrong and it gets repeated because people are just copying one another in this like endless cycle. It's just like a snake eating its own tail. Um and um you know lastly I would just like just like like look at what what content you know currently exists to serve your audience and just um think about like well how how could you change your approach so one way you could do this is like want some examples like if everyone is writing list posts could you give people a process to actually come up with their own ideas rather than just borrowing ideas that people are giving them Um, if people are just kind of talking about the problems your customer faces, but they're not really going in depth into how to actually solve them because they can't, because they're not putting any actual expertise in their content. Well, how can you do that? Um, how can you, how, how can you drill into those problems deeper than anybody else to the point where someone's going to find your content and they're going to be like, well, like, nobody is talking about this the way that this company is talking about this. No one's solving this problem the way that this company is solving this problem. Um, You know, how, how can you kind of, like, take, like, you know, the things that your customers are telling you directly and, like, get their own words into your content so when people come across your stuff, they feel like they're hearing their own thoughts repeated back to them, but with, like, actual solutions tied to it. Um, those things are all really basic. You know, I think like if you were to talk to like a lot of business owners, like they might like wonder why the content marketers are hiring, aren't already doing those things because it's, that's, that's what the job should be. Like, it shouldn't just be just go scrape 10 results off the first page of Google and just kind of collate it all together into the quote-unquote best thing. I mean, like, that that worked for a really long time. But I think, um, yeah, I I think that that really is the way forward. It's not kind of like getting locked in this arms race to, like, write the longest content possible, but uh, to just answer questions better than anybody else.
2: That, That makes sense. And we see, we have some indications of that through, you know, um serp results for some mm-hmm. keywords um uh, just the other day i was using one for a webinar i think it was designer developer collaboration where you, you will see that some of the results in the top 10 are uh from like websites brands whatever that kind of demonstrate uh, actual expertise uh, mm-hmm. one of them uh, if I can recall correctly, was div- designer developer collaboration sucks, here's how to fix it or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we we, we see some, um, and this is a great thing. I think that this is where things are, are, are heading towards uh, because there is obviously, there has been an abuse of, you know, like tools and stuff that generate content or that generate recommendations you know, based on the content that ranks in the top 10 or top 30 or whatever. And there is, there has been an abuse. And also, as you mentioned, like in, in most cases, it doesn't really add um, much to the conversation, right. it doesn't help uh, advance the conversation. Um, and so I I see some early signs, let's say, that this is where things are, are going. In any case, uh, this was all very insightful. Uh, ben, I, I would like to thank you very much for, for coming for the second time uh on the on the show. The last question I have for you, where can people find out more and, and get in touch if they'd like to?
0: Uh yeah, I think if uh, if people are interested in WordPress.com and seeing what might have changed since the last time they had ever thought about WordPress.com. Um Uh, I would definitely encourage them to, to go check out, um, you know, check out our website and just, um, you know, see, see what we have to offer. Um, maybe take it as an opportunity to spin up a new site or yourself for that side project that maybe people have, uh, been talking about, um, you know, starting up, maybe this is a good time to, to go do that. (laughs) Um, I've got a few ideas, um, of, of my own that, um, I, i'd like to get started working on in my spare time but anyway i i digress um if, if people want to find me um the best place to to get in touch is on linkedin um i'm pretty easy to find and um, i'll talk to anybody about content um so uh, i i definitely wouldn't w- w- wouldn't be afraid uh to, to reach out or um send a connection request my way if if anybody uh, wants to talk shop.
2: That's great. Ben, thank you very much for being on the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. AHS provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part. You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com/awt and sign up for free.
1: Another episode of the SAS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.